welcome to the Geeky Monkey Podcast. I'm Claire Lim and I have a veritable host of geeky delights for you in store this month. I spoke to Lucy James at GameSpot HQ about all the games she's looking forward to this year. And I stopped by and spoke to comedian Tiffany Stevenson and we chatted about everything from Stranger Things to Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Now, issue 17 of Geeky Monkey Magazine is out right now. It features the science of Star Trek, amongst other things. And the lead feature this month is The Return of the Apes. Plus, with John Wick Chapter 2 out this month, we debated the merits of actor Keanu Reeves. Now, you can follow us on Facebook and Twitter. On Facebook, it's the Geeky Monkey Mag. And on Twitter, it's Geeky Monkey. So I'm sitting with Lucy James from GameSpot. Hello, Lucy. Hey. Cool. Um, Lucy, tell us what you do at GameSpot. So uh, my official title is video producer. So that means I can do anything from writing, uh, producing, editing, and of course, hosting videos. So I do like news, um, interviews. At E3, I'll do like the stage show, hosting kind of stuff. So I kind of a jack of all trades for video, really. And how did you get into games, all the sort of world of video games kind of thing? How did you get into that? Um, video games in general was my dad's fault. So we would <laughs> good play, dad. Good dad. We used to play <laughs> things like Tomb Raider and Doom and Quake um, together when I was a kid. And then I got like my PlayStation and then. Uh, Xbox and then when I was at university I used to write for the university paper I think those are still archived online somewhere and then after that I kind of found GameSpot and stuff online asked for an internship and was lucky to get it and then I was here for a month and that was five years ago now like at this exact time of the year as well amazing yeah and then from there I was just really lucky worked at a TV company for a couple of years and then uh, GameSpot said we want you back it was so. video games that were really yeah. your thing and what kind of video games apart you've mentioned a few that you played with your dad but are there any that really stick out like absolute passionate favorites from your childhood from my childhood i think well early teens kind of counts but like kingdom hearts stuff like that kingdom hearts and okami were the big ones i would play and then with my sister we would always play we had a ps1 we would play like gran turismo at crash bandicoot spyro croc kind of all the big PlayStation games at the time, really. I never really had Nintendo, other than a Game Boy, which was like solely the Pokemon machine. I missed the whole Pokemon thing. I was was into like shooters and stuff like that, and Goldeneye was like... The one. Oh my God. I actually played it recently at Two Quarters in Peckham, Mm. and I saw it and I was like, yes, I'm going to play this. I was like shit hot at this game. And I sat down and I just couldn't remember how to play (laughs) because everything's so advanced now. So I was going... What's, what's forward? Oh my god, and I, I died immediately. These two guys behind me were like laughing. They, they were like, yeah, so not because this is my time to shine, but yeah. it was so embarrassing. But that was my that was the one, one oh, game you played. absolute favourite. Now, we're going to talk about 2017 yeah. in a second. But let's just talk about last year very quickly. What did you think of the games out last year? Was it a good year for games? I personally am so sure. I, I'm, I tend to agree because I remember like E3 2015 was so incredible because it was like Final Fantasy VII got announced, Shenmue III, uh, Last Guardian re-reveal kind of thing and it was like a really big year but then 2016 in games didn't really grab me. I mean the only, the one, there's two games that probably did grab me the most and one was Dishonored 2 mm-hmm. and the other was Overwatch which I play every day <laughs> um, and have done for months now still um, not oh. played that like i didn't even buy it like i bought one game 
like in December because I can't play computer games in like because of the day job. December, no, November through January is fine, and after this month I'm going to stop. But the Division was the one thing that I've become really obsessed with. That's the thing. Division came out as well, but I played that and I almost hit level thirty, I think, and then I stopped and I just never picked it up again. But when I did play it, I played it with my partner and I really enjoyed it and we you know band together and stuff. The one, yeah, the one game, and I would really recommend you play it if you say you like shooters, is Overwatch. Because Overwatch, it is, right? Okay. Like it's not just Call of Duty style just kill everyone it's like tactical you have to think of oh you know they've got a uh, genji you should counter that with a mei and it's like really good to learn all of the heroes all of their all of their ultimates and all of their abilities and stuff and it sounds like it's kind of overwhelming but you really get used to it it does it in a really cool way because i've been watching limmy the scottish comedian i've been watching him i love watching him play games live because i didn't want to get like bloodborne but i like watching him play bloodborne um so he's been playing overwatch for the last month and it looks mental like it's just i mean my friend uh, said to me no actually when you're playing it makes sense when you're watching it it's just like a total mess yeah but i quite fancy it but i'm not really good at playing online that's the thing i'm scared so like we went um at mcm comic-con they had overwatch i think it was the esl Mm -hmm. like esports finals or whatever i went with a group of friends so tamor from my office was here and gillen from playstation and rory from ign and we're all big overwatch guys and we were watching and we were like oh my god this game looks like a mess because it's really difficult to like switch between it's not something like league of legends where it's obviously the top down view and it's easy to see the whole picture with overwatch there's so many like nooks and crannies Mm -hmm. and places for people to hide like there'll be a farrah way in the air but at the same time there'll be a symmetric camera in a like and has all their turrets up in a little gangway somewhere so it's not easy to watch but when you play i think it does a smart thing because the tutorial says play with soldier 76 who is like the all-rounder he's like if you've played first person shooter before Mm -hmm. you play a soldier because he you know he's a he's a soldier and it's like one but then you know you you maybe experiment with like a diva who's quite easy hero to play Mm -hmm. but she like is tankier and has more defense and her ultimate is more powerful it's really cool and then you just sort of gradually build okay. up and then the way it kind of rewards players because I, I always felt with like call of duty you don't really get rewarded mm-hmm. in front of everyone else but with overwatch they have like play of the game okay and you can basically just show off to everyone if you get it and there's also like this card system so if you get the most like defensive assists or the most objective time or something you get another like boost got it's you really cool. so there's at least there's things this is my problem with um battlefield which i which i prefer and call of duty i just find it's not as rewarding i love playing them mm. and they're great to play but it just i like that system which is why i like the division i like to aim for things yeah i mean and it's like get, getting the stuff and that's what keeps you kind of that's what keeps me involved yeah, in the game i think overwatch also does a really clever thing although mm-hmm. i mean like i hit 103 the other day so it's kind of lost its sheen but every time you level up you get a loot box it has right. cosmetic items in and right. sometimes you'll get like a legendary skin and i never thought i'd be the type of person <laughs> to buy loot boxes but I became that person (laughs) and I don't know it's just something about Overwatch it has a really great feedback loop right and it just really it's become the it's become the game that we'll all play and we're all on discord talking to each other and it's like one more game yeah one more game okay I'm gonna give it a go you should definitely give it a go wait until maybe they do another free weekend and they then do those quite it. frequently. Okay, because I, I saw that over Christmas and I downloaded Firewatch instead. Yeah. Which was, I found slightly disappointing. There's loads yeah. of bugs and stuff and I wasn't that keen on it. So I kind of wish that maybe I tried Overwatch. I've got a few friends that play it. But let's, 
Um, look towards 2017. So 2016, not a great year. I don't think it was a great year for TV and film either. No. If I'm honest. Um, Everything. We did like best of the year kind of stuff. And it was like, what was your top TV show of the year? And I was like, uh. Uh, <laughs> the Great British Bay. Yeah, totally. No, I mean, like Game of Thrones, obviously great. Westworld, obviously great. But everything else was... And Stranger Things, actually. But actually, Stranger Things. But then you can count them in one hand. Whereas there's some years it just it goes on and on. Like this year, I'm quite looking forward to, to a lot of things. But even in movies, like, I, I mean, I'm not a big DC fan. I guess I'm more Marvel. Mm. But there were things like uh, Batman v Superman. And oh, also, God. that was... That was terrible. <laughs> Two hours of my life, I'm never getting back. And yeah. then Suicide Squad, which had a good 10 minutes, the first opening 10 minutes, and then yeah. it just sort of went down. Oh, and everyone was, everyone was kind of like, oh, Harley Quinn, but she's so amazing. But she was in her pants half the time, and she didn't really do very much, in my opinion. I mean, the thing is, I love Margot Robbie, and I think she stole, like, every scene she yes. was in. Yes, yes. But at the same time, Suicide Squad, just the whole movie was such a mess. Mm-hmm. And there were some points where I was in a cinema like just laughing out loud mm-hmm. and I came out of that film and I just said to my my friend who was with her I was like that's the funniest film I've seen all year yeah it's and ri- it's not meant to be no it's ridiculous it's such a shame but positivity, positivity. We, it's positivity 2016's over we're going to forget that the orange one is becoming president and oh. Brexit's happening yeah let's think about good things so 2017 in games what are you looking forward to this year uh so March and April I'm kind of wanting to book off because we've got Mass Effect, Andromeda, yes. and then Persona 5. Okay. So I'm a big Persona fan and completely rinsed Persona 4 on my Vita. And I'm actually really sad 5 isn't coming to Vita, but I can see why. But it was like my commute game for the longest time. So oh. I kind of have to get through two big meaty RPGs in very close proximity. Oh, Mass, so Effect. Mass Effect. I've watched like every gameplay trailer. Yeah every teaser that one i the last mass effect that i played it had that kind of a weird ending thing Dream, yeah. yeah um and i ended up playing it to the last level and that is this is what i do with games because i get busy during the days and i stopped and i just looked it's really bad i just looked at the endings online yeah because i heard that they weren't really great and not really satisfying i was working for a blog called um Robot Geek at the time, which mm-hmm. is like my, the first place I really wrote for, and we were lucky enough to get like a preview copy of Mass Effect 3, and that was a big deal at the time because we were really small. And I got it, and I was playing it. I had to finish it in a weekend, <laughs> like a whole weekend. <laughs> I blitzed it, and I had the review. I got it on the Friday, yeah. and the review was up on the Monday. And I remember absolutely loving it. And the ending happened. And I was like, mm, mm-hmm. it's okay. It's not a game ruin it in my eyes mm-hmm. and then the fallout happened when everyone else had sort of played it and i was like oh my god but then i i watched when they i didn't replay but when they released like the extended ending watched that and i was like yeah that was way better yeah i mean it wasn't i played it a little bit after everyone same year maybe a couple of months after and i'd seen what was happening and that's not the reason why i stopped i just stopped because i wasn't really enjoying it as mass as well as mass effect 2 it was a weird sort of game because it was like oh yeah the reapers are coming to invade at the yeah. specific time but if you want to dick around and do side missions that's fine yeah exactly like the clock seems to stop and it just didn't feel like the tension that they'd set up between the first two games mm-hmm. really paid off mm-hmm. especially what dlc was it arrival yeah for mass effect 2 and they were like Oh yeah, by the way, we've just blown up like all of the Batarians and they're sort yeah. of all dead and <laughs> extinct and it's basically your fault. Yeah. That had zero repercussions in the third game really. I was like, oh. That's what it just 
again, yeah, it felt a little bit disjointed. I wasn't, I enjoyed it, you know, mm. but it wasn't like, oh my God, oh my God, like a Fallout 3 or, you know, yeah. even like Fallout 4, I quite enjoyed that. But I just, I felt it was just kind of like, eh, meh, and that was it. But I'm hoping, I think what they're doing with Mass Effect and Drama, um, by setting it so far ahead in the future, at least it's kind of, it sets itself apart. Yeah, and I hope, because I'm a big Bioware fan and I, like if you think about Dragon Age Inquisition it was one of those games that I enjoyed playing at the time but when you reflect on it you kind of go mm, maybe yeah. I wasn't as good as mm-hmm. I kind of remember and I felt like particularly the character stories like weren't that great and mm-hmm. the only thing the only thing I really enjoyed by that game was like Solus and you know his emerging sort of badassery yeah. which was awesome so with Andromeda I kind of hope that they don't fall into the same pitfalls as Inquisition did where they felt like they had to have the biggest game yeah. and then just fill it with nothing. Yeah. <laughs> fill it with fetch quests. And I kind of hope that Andromeda doesn't do that because that's the great thing about Mass Effect is that like every corner has a little piece of dialogue to overhear or a little exactly. thing to look at. And I really just hope that they do that and that the characters and the relationships and everything. Well, fingers crossed. Because I felt with Skyrim it was a little bit like just, it was great, but it was like fetch quests. Yeah. like you said and after a while I was like I can't go to this cave for the fifth time like another yeah. cave there's like another cave with another treasure and it just didn't feel that great yeah. you know I was just like whatever and again back to the division and um, that's why I just kind of I just like missions I like stuff yeah like it needs to be a bit more interesting but during the years like that you've been working for games or in games do you see trends coming through or do you think yeah. it's just random with games? No, you definitely see trends. I mean, there was um, there was the year of asymmetrical multiplayer. So you had like Evolve, RIP. Mm-hmm. You had like Dying Light, and I think that was the year the Fable Legends got announced. Mm-hmm. And asymmetrical multiplayer was like the next big thing. And then there was the year that handheld tablet tie-ins were the next big thing. So like Battlefield Four, you could have someone on a tablet with a helicopter and had it in Watch Dogs and Assassin's Creed didn't take off then there was last year which or the year before which was like the year of VR right again I don't think it's taken off do you think that's not gonna go I mean because I've seen some things online that look really impressive yeah and I like the idea of immersing yourself in a game but you don't do you think that's gonna take off at all then do you think it's just a fad I think at the minute VR is way too expensive I've been lucky enough to play on Vive Oculus and PlayStation VR and mm-hmm. Gear VR and all that, like the mobile phone ones. And I think it is really cool. And sometimes you can play stuff and you're like, oh, holy crap, this is incredible. I mean, Oculus comes with, I think it's called the Dream Suite, which is like a, a load of demos. Yeah. And it's basically, like there's a really cool bit where you're in like an abandoned museum and a big T-Rex comes and he's standing over you, roaring at you, <laughs> and you're like, oh my God. Or there's a bit where you're standing on the edge of a building and you're looking down and you genuinely get a bit of vertigo and it's really cool. Um, Vive is awesome playing... You know, I mean, things like Serious Sam or playing uh, with Google's Tilt Brush. It's really, really cool, but you cannot justify £800. Just to, just I'd rather fly to LA yeah. and back for that much. But the thing is, I think Batman Arkham VR was really cool. It maybe wasn't like the best Batman story, okay. but when you are standing there and you're looking in the mirror and Batman looks back at you and you put the cowl on and you're moving around as Batman, it's awesome. And <laughs> my colleague Tamora is like the biggest Batman fan I know. And watching him play it, he was just the biggest smile on his face. And it was <laughs> great, but then ultimately didn't carry through. I think the problem with VR at the minute is for gamers, it doesn't have the games. Uh, Resident Evil 7, um, now that looks, I played the demo of yeah, that. Yeah, I played the demo in VR and it's terrifying. Is it? Because it was terrifying. Play, I had to 
hand it over to my husband and go, you can play the rest, please. Yeah. Um, and just, just let him do it. And I was watching and screaming because mm. I was so scared. But I feel like maybe horror games, like genre games, or maybe like Batman you mentioned, yeah. horror looks quite good. But I wanted to ask you, actually, because you've done the VR thing. I haven't even mm. tried it. Um, I've watched people falling over and stuff. Does it feel <laughs> like that? Or do you? is it is that an exaggeration? Um, you know, I've never fallen over. You certainly... Sorry, our building seems to be falling apart, that big bang. Fine. Um, fine. Well, if the ap- apocalypse can wait for 10 more minutes, that's fine. <laughs> I've never fallen over. Um, my old housemate used to actually design stuff for, mm-hmm. uh, to use in the Rift. He made, like, architectural software, which was really cool. Mm-hmm. And he had it very early on. And what we had was the... It was the roller coaster one. And, and so you sat on a chair. And the one thing he did is when your roller coaster jumps over a ledge, he would shove the chair. <laughs> and that is a genuine feeling of... Because your, your brain is completely tricked. And it does feel like you go, oh, my God. <laughs> oh, God. Um, I've never fallen over. I've never known anyone to fall over. Yeah, because I've seen... Um, my husband showed me one of... I can't remember the snooker player's name. And oh, Ronnie O'Sullivan. Yeah, that's yeah. it, that's it. And he just falls over and that's like, it's absolutely hilarious. But yeah. I'm imagining that would be me because I know what I'm like already. <laughs> and I'm quite sort of... When I'm playing things, I'm already kind of like moving with yeah. it. Kind of thing like Mario Kart or like... A, like I'm like, ah! So I can't really imagine that I'd be like fall over, jump out the window or something. Yeah. Um, but I don't think you're... I think you're right. I just don't think it's... It's just not expensive. It's too expensive. It's and I mean stuff like the Battlefront mission mm-hmm. is really cool, but it's one mission. Yeah. And you're like, well, I'm not gonna pay three hundred fifty quid for one, basically, that, and then have to pay for the games and stuff on top of it. It's just way too much to minute. Do you see it slowly coming down in price and being more available to? I really sort of... hope it does because it is cool. Yeah. It is really. It's really immersive and all that stuff. But do you think it's the next big thing in gaming? Because, I mean, Mm. this is the really... When it launched, it was like, whoa, and it was everywhere. But I feel like people still want to play normally. I feel like it hasn't hit the mass market. People know about it because it'll have been on a bunch of, like, click or swipe or, like, mainstream kind of TV stuff. In terms of it being the next big thing, Mm -hmm. no. No, I don't think think so. I think it'll always have a dedicated audience. And I hope that it does hit more screens and stuff soon but I don't think it'll no I think it's a I I feel it's I think it's got one foot in fad land and that's kind of how I feel although I would you know if I was millionaire I would definitely you know go for it but I just can't justify spending that much money if I was a millionaire I'd have a room in my house (laughs) and I'd call it the holodeck and it would be Oh, um, so speaking of holodecks, um, thanks for that. Segway. <laughs> yes, love it, professionals. <laughs> um, we This month in Geeky Monkey Magazine, there is a big feature written by me um, called The Science of Star Trek. Mm. It was a bit of a fiddly one to write about. Um, and we've got an interview with John Delancey, who played Q, which is amazing. But I went through all of the aspects of the science events in Star Trek, like transporters mm. and warp speed and things, and explained how they can be a reality now, or if they are reality. So, for example, Replicators, well, that's 3D printers. Yeah. It's the same thing. So I wanted to ask you a few sort of fun Star trek questions. Ooh. If you could transport anywhere in the world yeah. or into a parallel universe, wherever you want, Ooh. where would you transport? Uh, I would go to Tokyo. Why would you go to Tokyo? Have you been there before? I have. And it was, you know, when you go on holiday and like by the end you're like, okay, yeah, this was really fun. I think I'm ready to go home now. When I went to Tokyo last year, I was... So I fell so in love with the place oh. and the people, and I, w- I was only there for a week, sadly, and so when it came time to come home, I was like, I'm not done with this place oh, yet. No. The only problem is, like, the 14-hour flight to get there. 
Was it a direct flight? You didn't it stop? It was, but it was like, I think it was 14 hours overall because it's like 11 hours, 11 and a half hours in the air. But like if you take into account taxiing and getting your luggage and everything, it was a trek. But and it's just, oh, it's so cool. Is it quite culture shocky when you get there or is it quite easy to just move around and do whatever you want? I think it depends on how much exposure to Japanese culture you've had before. Okay. Like seeing and reading anime, manga, uh, playing games like Persona as well. YouTube really helps because then you get there and it is d- just like how you've seen it. It's yeah. really cool and like the people there are so lovely and obviously because the language barrier is quite significant. Like if you go to like Europe, you'll probably find somebody speaks English. In Japan, actually quite a lot of them do speak English. But if you make an effort and like say stuff, they, their faces light up and they're so welcoming and lovely Aww. and they will like bend over backwards to make you feel welcome and it was just really nice i'm always put off by i I don't mind a long uh flight i've i traveled a lot when i was younger but yeah that long flight and also the expense but it is one of those places because of you know if you love japanese culture and again you're you're watching anime and reading manga and stuff that's kind of those are the elements of why i want to go but if you could replicate anything Anything. So organic, you can't replicate a human being. It could be uh, biological, like food and things, or uh, an object. What would you replicate? Oh my god, that's a harder one. That's really hard. It depends. Like I think at the moment, because I'm hungry, I'll probably <laughs> replicate a burger. <laughs> so it's kind of just like a, that's just a kind of like you know, it comes in handy kind of thing. Come in handy. You know what? Probably my phone. Mm, okay. Because I use it so much that if I lost it. I would have a replace. So a backup. backup mm. And if you could travel to any planet, warp speed, mm-hmm. and live there, where would you go? I guess it couldn't be anything in our galaxy, could it? Because we're not really... Oh, you could set up... Oh, I could set up a little, yep. like a dome. Yeah, a little dome, a little house. You can bring some friends. Probably Mars. I know women are meant to be from Venus, <laughs> but I feel like... Isn't Venus like 400 degrees? Yeah. Because it's so close to the sun. And Mars looks quite interesting. Because it does, it just looks like a, a desert. That's all. Yeah. It does look very Earth-like. I'm quite interested. What they found recently, there was a radio signal that they've received from like a ga- another galaxy or something. Oh my god! Yeah, which is um, really incredible. But I think if I went to Mars, I would walk around naked and pretend to be like Doctor Manhattan. <laughs> like, yes. Just be like, yes, I tire of these humans. Try and like gigantify yourself somehow yeah. and just like you walk around naked. Um, but no, I think I think Mars because then as well you could get like a nice. Just be nice and red, and, although it'd be really dusty. Yeah, but, but there might be water. Might I was be speaking fine. to um, it was like uh, we had some. I spoke to someone from Greenwich Observatory, an astronomer, astronomer there, and a huge geek and a gamer. So we had a great chat. But he said if you lived on Mars, um, and you had tools or anything like that, the dust and the winds are so harsh mm. that it would erode like oh. after quite a short period of time. So you need some kind of hardcore dome to kind yeah. of like fit over. But why are we sending people? <laughs> I have no idea. I think we've sent like the Mars rover and things like that but mm. I don't think it's going to be in our lifetime um, but Lucy tell, before we go uh, mm. tell me what you are up to this year in Gamesland are you travelling to any conventions or things like that um, so we'll be hitting E3 which is like the big expo in uh, LA which that's June yeah June yeah, yeah. Um, so there for all the big announcements and stuff all the conferences I'll be doing Gamescom. Have you got any kind of inklings of any kind of interesting announcements this year so far? Normally we don't hear anything until about May and then you start hearing rumblings about what might get announced and what might not. 
but nothing. I don't. I don't know anything about this year, which is quite good. Okay. I am still holding out hope for Beyond Good and Evil Two. Heard reports that it's a Switch exclusive, timed exclusive for a while. Kind of hope that's not the case. Okay. But yeah, so those are the two main things in my calendar that I've got already. Other than that, it'll just be you know to Andromeda yeah I'm waiting for that that's like in my dying I think I'm gonna take a week off work yep, do. just to kind of play it like it's, it's sadly but um anyway thank you so much Lucy uh, and where can we find you online if people want to go follow you and check you out and stuff thank you for having me well I'm uh spend most of my days gamespot.com great purveyor of gaming news and videos and stuff um but my twitter is at Lucy James Games cool and Very are you in- of having a Name the rhymes. Lucy James Games, yeah, actually. <laughs> I, was gonna, yeah, I never thought of that. Like, oh, yeah, Lucy James Games. And are you on Instagram or anything like that? Yeah, and most of my online handles are Lucy James Games. Apart from, like, Point. PSN and stuff, which is Mixed Business, like the Beck song. Because... Mixed Business. I shall be adding you for... Yes, Overwatch. Yes, Overwatch. Yes, you have to, like, take me through it. I'll, I'm embarrassed. I'll be embarrassing and rubbish. You. But, yeah, oh. you've got me. So, Lucy James Games, follow her online. So, thank you very much, Lucy, for chatting to us, and we'll speak to you again soon. Thanks so much for having me. I'm sitting here with Tiff Stevenson, comedian. Hi, Tiff. Hello. Hi. Hello. Um, sitting in Tiff's lovely house with her beautiful green wall. Yes, I like that colour green. I spent a lot of time deciding exactly what green it should be. It's pretty much green screen green. Yeah, it's, it's a little bit darker, actually. Um, but then I thought I can play out all my fantasies <laughs> with that as a background <laughs> and, and just get Paul... Uh, which is my boyfriend, because you won't know that if you're listening, uh, <laughs> to just film me uh, in various scenarios. Yeah, it's a really, it's a really good color green. Green's a power color for me. Yeah. I like it. And that's a powerful green. It's a no shit green. Yeah, yeah. We're not messing around green. Yeah. And I can see in front of me your various films and DVD box sets and stuff, which is quite amazing. It's quite a collection. Yeah, thing. and there's another bunch behind you on that wall there. Oh next to the record player yeah so that's why we're, we're having a chat with you um because geeky monkey is all about geek stuff and pop culture but you're in the you're a comedian in the scene so how would you describe your geek credentials then uh my geek credentials i would say probably like a, I'm, I'm of the whedon verse <laughs> so the uh buffy the vampire slayer was my big my big big uh through sort of i think it probably came out when i was a teenager or maybe in my early 20s um and i'm still i'm sort of still at the point where i go i don't know that anyone's ever written anyone as good as buffy like in terms of female characters i have to sort of go to sarah connor in terminator mm-hmm. although the recent mad max film uh was great you know the furiosa character was amazing mm-hmm. i was like but it's it's i went to watch that with my boyfriend and he was quite underwhelmed and i was like what sort of, yeah i was sort of crying at the end and he was like oh i thought it was fine <laughs> you know but i was like <laughs> i was like that's because you get to see yourself in those roles all the time but yeah. as a woman I never get to see the us playing the heroes in that way. And so that, that for me, was like a, a really kind of big watershed moment recently, actually. Yeah, I, I, I really loved that film. But I'm, I'm a it. huge, huge Terminator. Sort yes. of, that's my other. So I, I sort of, on the side of either the machines and they're all going to kill us, or, you know, pure fantasy into the Buffy realm. I love that. I think the main thing about those characters that you're mentioning is they're not sexualized no heavily at no. all of course sarah connor in the first film because that's her destiny she has to have this this child but in the second film you know she's just working out she's, yeah she's you know, just she's doing that, getting her doing, madonna muscle yeah just doing on. pull-ups and uh <laughs> taking out uh mental what the, what's the mental facility that she's in is it's called 
Oh, what's it called? The Pacific. Yeah, because she's she's in a mental institution because yeah, she's been put away and she's yeah. a bad mother. She's a terrible mother. Yeah. Um, and that's just what that's. Just but she's also control. a brilliant mother. Yes. Bottom line is because she's training her son for a future that she knows is going to happen. Yes. So she gets him military trained, and it's interesting actually. The other day I was going through Cameron's script for that, just like. You can find it online so you can read the script for Terminator 2. And I wanted to see really just how much of what he'd written, you know, as a writer myself, I'm sort of sort of working on a thing at the moment. I was just interested to see how much of what he'd written made it onto the screen or how much of the sort of shooting script, you know. What did you find? And it was pretty much sort of word for word, you know, those opening sort of uh, vistas of LA and just like, you know, through a heat haze of mm-hmm. seeing stacked traffic mm-hmm. and... Even to the point where the the uh, the Terminator steps on skulls, you yeah. know, crushes them underfoot. All of that detail is in the script. Mm-hmm. It's, That's it's, quite amazing that it made yeah. it through. How much of your material makes it through when you're doing TV and stuff like that? Not oh, or... that well, that's different, and and I think that's a different. That is a different example of a script because mm-hmm. Cameron was, was part of the writing and directing it, so he could be very prescriptive about mm-hmm. what he wanted to see on screen being in the script. But sometimes someone gets the script and the director interprets it, interprets it in whatever way they're going to interpret it, mm-hmm. and it ends up being quite a different thing. With TV shows. I mean, it depends if I'm acting or it depends if I'm doing stand-up, really. If I'm doing stand-up, we, you know, we record for, app, for something like Mock the Week, you know, we record for about three hours mm-hmm. and that's edited down to half an hour show. And, you know, they put the show together to give everyone, you know, to sort of share the share the laughs out, you know. So, but sometimes the, the your favourite things or the best things you've done will not end up going in the show. Like there was, I remember there was around once with um, lines you wouldn't expect to hear in a children's book. <laughs> and one of the ones I'd done was, um, Harry Potter, I have, I have good news and bad news. Uh, the bad news is I'm pregnant. The good news is I've learned the abortus spell. <laughs> and that was like my favourite. That was my favourite joke. That in that That didn't make no. it. It might have been a bit too strong for a BBC audience. Yeah, um, perhaps, perhaps. But uh, yeah, you know, it's quite fun when you, when topics like that come up, because sometimes you'll get sci-fi or you'll get children's books and then your your geek your, your geeky side can come out again, you know, and I can put stuff from, from Harry Potter or Buffy or yeah. whatever into that, you know. Into Show that. a little bit more personality. Yeah, or fringe. Basically. Yes, and fringe, <laughs> I missed that. Now, we're talking about um, sort of things coming up this year in 2017, film and TV. But before we do, because we've just had our 2017 preview issue in January... Um, but before we do, let's look back. What what did you enjoy last year, film and TV-wise? What was quite impressive? Oh, uh, Stranger Things. Mm-hmm. Absolutely loved it. And, and I'm definitely not alone in that, am I? Um, it was just that great mix of kind of putting together all the stuff we loved from the 80s. You mm-hmm. know, it had a touch of Goonies about it. It had a touch of E.T. about it. It had a touch of Close Encounters, a very Spielberg influence. Stand By Me. Stand By Me, mm-hmm. yeah. The uh, Rob Rob Reiner, isn't that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, yes, it, all of those elements, three friends, you know, in that, that's the, the friend searching for a dead body, isn't it? Yeah. It was just really, really great. And I was a big fan of Winona Ryder in Heathers and, you Love know. Love that film. Yeah. That's like one of my favourite 80s Oh my films. God, why does your damage, Heather? <laughs> oh my God, I loved Christian Slater. I just loved him in that. Like yeah. anything else, he looked a bit weird, but that was like peak Slater yeah. for me. Yeah. That is, it's such a great uh, film and it still stands up. Yeah. 
um, and becomes more relevant. I think especially now with like social media, it's kind of like taken on this new relevance again mm-hmm. with, with the whole suicide thing, with, with kind of the popularity contests. Mm-hmm. You know, now kids are obsessed with how many likes they get and, you know, if they don't get enough likes on a selfie, they're getting depressed, you yeah. know, it's taking it a whole new level that we didn't have to deal with as teenagers. Um, and in, in that way, you know, all of culture is becoming more American. Yeah. American culture has always been kind of dominated by those sort of who's the cheerleader, who's the best football player, and we base our social stratas all around that kind of thing. And now the, the whole world has taken that popularity contest on with the advent of social media. So, um, Bazura, I think it was great to see Winona Ryder back in that. I thought she was great in it. The kids are all exceptional. Yeah, the, um, the girl that played Eleven was yeah, amazing. She's really brilliant. She's really good. And I just hope she stays kind of how she is and doesn't become really precocious. Yes. <laughs> you know? She's only like 12 or 13. Yes, I, I know. Like... But I remember. And, and this is not the kids' faults. It's, it's magazines' faults. And, and, like, Grazia, you can see I've got a copy of it there. Yes. You know, um, which I quite like because I do like clothes. I don't think fashion's the most important thing. I talk about that in stand-up. Mm-hmm. Uh, pretty strongly it shouldn't be the thing at the front yeah but i'm interested in it and it's mm-hmm. fun also grazia tends to do slightly meatier stories sometimes so i quite like that but i think it was grazia that ran a whole piece about the girl who's in mad men you know the daughter yes. sally you know she may be like 14 at the time or 15 and these really like overly stylized sort of kind of like fashiony quite sexy pictures and you sort of think oh god like give them a chance to just find that for themselves you know um i hope that that doesn't happen that's society's obsession yeah with with sexualizing yeah with youth and beauty and and, and sexualizing girls and it just doesn't happen to guys in the same way Um, no it doesn't because you don't see the the beckham's kind of the beckham kids yeah they're models i know that the oldest one's a model definitely you don't see him like sort of overly sexualized he's just a wee boy yeah yeah a, a teenage boy wearing clothes well there's that weird age as a girl so i talk about this in in my show but i talk about being in in louisiana and seeing a sign saying larry flint's barely legal strip club mm-hmm. and sort of going barely legal like that by the way that doesn't mean the fire exits are obstructed <laughs> it just means you know the age of the strippers yeah. and i'm sort of like how is this still allowed you know barely legal strip club barely legal magazine why don't we start calling it what it is almost pedo yeah i yeah. mean that's what you're basically saying yeah, almost pedo. and there is a point uh, of and you'll remember this with yeah. all girls when we get to about 14 15 it's like we're a piece of fruit that's suddenly become ripe and need to be plucked by lusty old men yeah you know and and it's disgusting and it's we're obsessed that's why the sun did countdowns to legal for you know miley cyrus and britney spears and charlotte church you know let them be kids as long as they can be kids and exactly and just kind of enjoy it as well because i think that pressure when i was a teenager I wasn't at all fashionable. I was just like a rotund, short, pudgy person that played guitar and cried in the room. That was my life. When I was Ghost world. Yeah, it wasn't even as cool as that. Literally just crying to Radiohead songs in my room. Right. Sad. Um, and, you know, I didn't really have that. Like, I wasn't really aware of makeup or anything. But I had a great, you know, I had a good time as a kid. And, well, and, and it should be that you're allowed to become aware of your own sexuality, not other people. That's the yeah. point, I think, you become, as a young girl, you become sexualised by the world around you. Yes. And you get attention from people that you don't want to get attention from. Yeah. And it's fine if they're boys your age mm-hmm. and that's who you're hanging out with 
and that's who the interaction is with but you know nine times out of ten when you're at that age or from what I remember it was just like older guys and I found it scary and gross and <laughs> creepy you know and that's why I guess it brings me back to the we were talking about um, female like heroines on film yeah and those ones we were talking about that aren't highly sexualized why I don't understand why we need to see them having a relationship what annoyed me about the second Avengers film which I loved um, and I like Black Widow's character because she's just badass and you don't really know much about her um, but they kind of had this weird Hulk relationship she was like oh yeah I kind of fancy you and yeah because you're bad but because you're a bad you're yeah. the bad guy well he's not the bad guy but he can be bad exactly when he, when he you're hulks scary, out you're yeah. green um, yeah. and I just I felt those kind of moments were a bit shoehorned I don't really because it's not like you kind of see what the rest of them are doing. Well, it's really. interesting because they there's that whole bit where they talk about sort of sterilising her, don't they? Which I thought was quite interesting. I was like, that's a interesting backstory, but maybe it's for her own movie because she's getting her own, isn't she? No, she's, it's she's not. not. No. It's not happening now. No, it's this, it's Miss Marvel's happening from the Marvel staple, which uh, stable, which will be really good. But I wanted them to choose uh, the Muslim teenage girl version of Miss Marvel, which is in the comics. Right. But of course. Yeah, they're they're never going to go for that. Um, and we've got Wonder Woman this year, so right. that's going to be the first female fronted movie, um, in since uh, Elektra. Yeah. Um, so that's going to be the first one since then, and that's the one that everyone's pinning their hopes on. Have you seen any of the? I haven't seen the trailer for it or anything yet. The trailers so. look promising, but I've heard it's terrible. Right. So it's going to be dull and whatever, and and I think it's just going to kind of be. I don't think it's going to be very inspiring. Right. That's, I think that's the vibe. I was disappointed with, and I know that that was in the comic books, mm-hmm. but in Spider-Man 2, the the reboots with Andrew Garfield, yeah. the Gwen Stacy character, because she was so great. Yeah. And I was really disappointed. And I know that's what happens. I know that's the storyline. We'll change it up for now. <laughs> Keep this character. Gwen Stacy's such a great character. Emma Stone played her really well. Yeah. This is a great woman to be part of the, to be part of the Marvel Universe, right? Yeah. But with that one, there's a problem because I guess they're just trying to follow this script and then it's got rebooted and it's got flipped on its arse again. And now we've got uh, Tom Holland. Yeah, guy. Dominic Holland's son, who who is a stand-up comic. I saw him the other night and I was like, oh my God, this is crazy. Are you excited? And he was like, it's absolutely mad. <laughs> so I'm over the moon it's for crazy. him. But it's, yeah, it's... I'm like, looking forward to it. I liked, I really, really liked Spider-Man's entrance in Avengers, the last Avengers film. And I was really sceptical because I love Spider-Man. But I thought it was really good. Yeah. But I am looking forward to Ms. Marvel when it comes because she's quite a strong character. So... But this year, let's talk about this year. Films and TV shows coming out this year. So there's series two of Stranger Things, yes. isn't there? That's coming up. Uh, will there be more Westworld? I absolutely loved Westworld. I had a bit of a debate with someone about this the other day because they were saying they thought it could have been, that it was really dragged out. What? And I was like, no, I know. I yeah. Well, they were wrong. You're yeah, wrong. Yeah, they're wrong. <laughs> and they didn't watch all of the episodes either. So that was kind of sort of frustrating somebody else said that to me though that they said it was boring I just I love the push and pull I love Mm -hmm. the not knowing who the bad guy is who are the good guys who are the bad guys you know because you get that at the end who's who's God who's playing God are we in control of our own destinies it taps into for me Westworld is just like the ultimate perfect perfect vehicle for me because it has that AI aspect you know it has the artificial intelligence that kind of stuff that I love uh, about the machines taking over but it also has a western in it yes <laughs> it has a nod back to that so it's all of my favorite things really you and, know and existentialism strewn throughout it, yes which yeah elevates it from the rest um like from the odd sci-fi soap shows and stuff like that but Auntie hopkins character um as well you were mentioning who's the bad guy and you get to the end spoiler alert if you've not seen it already then you know but you get to the end 
and you're like, oh, and it flips it all around. You're going, oh, right, I see what he's doing now. Yeah, he's yeah. trying to continue yeah. the work. Okay, fair enough. And the Bernard character as well, that right in the middle yes, of the whole, yeah. like, I think it was episode five, and I'd read a few fan theories because I'm really bad for that with Game of Thrones and stuff. Right. And it kind of hinted towards it. And I was sitting there with, with my husband, Paul, going, oh, my God. And Paul's <laughs> like, what are you talking about? <laughs> like, oh, my God, I knew it, I knew it. Uh, but that was just a... Just all the little kind of surprises flipping up at yes, the end. Yeah. And they did say Westworld, I think we tweeted out as well, and this is what I quite like the interaction they had with the fans, and they said quite early on in the series, the logos in Westworld are very important. And they changed throughout each scene because obviously you're looking at different timelines. Yes, yeah. So there's hints like that, but it's not coming out again. Season two is not going to be here till 2018. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's disappointing. Which is really rubbish. We've got a slew of superhero films out this year. We've got Batman. I oh, know, Batman. I've got Justice League, uh, Wonder Woman, Guardians of the Galaxy. We've got the Resident Evil film, which is... Guardians of the Galaxy, I'm, I have high hopes for because I really loved the last one. I thought it was excellent and I thought it was really... Had a nice really light well touch done. to it. It was mm-hmm. great, and it and it had. I went to go watch it with a friend of mine who was like, "I'm not really into these sort of comic book films," and I'm uh, it's all a bit. Uh, and I was like, "Oh, I I loved it. I loved the humor in it. Mm-hmm. I just thought it nailed it. Obviously, the soundtrack and stuff with his um, is it awesome tunes? What's yeah, it? So, yeah, yeah, like awesome volume mixtape, one, yeah. awesome mis- mixtape volume one. I thought everyone was great in it, and obviously I loved Groot. I've got a dancing Groot, in fact, in the kitchen. Nice, <laughs> nice. <laughs> little dancing Groot. I was um. The last time, the last trailer I saw it was in the cinema. We'd gone to see Doctor Strange, but there was a bunch of Cumberbatch or Cumberbitches. Is that they what they call themselves? Yeah, the oh Cumberbitches. So a bunch of Cumberbatch fans all around us. My husband Paul was like, "Oh my god!" Like li- literally everywhere. And uh, Baby Groot came on screen, and they were going, "Oh." <laughs> and then every scene with Benedict Cumberbatch, they're like, "Oh, oh. it was the worst sitting." I've ever been to a film just right. the, the gasps and the, every time he was like half naked like ooh like, <laughs> and then there was this big fat guy like two rows down any time there was CGI he went wow out really loud wow Paul turned around he was like fuck's sake like he was really angry but it was it was the worst the cumber bitches as they're called they call themselves that yeah okay. awful wow. awful they self identify as that <laughs> I'm, <laughs> I'm not going to get involved with that but because uh... I think he was quite um because he said it on Graham Norton, he was like, yeah, my fans are called the gum, the cumber. And he looked a bit embarrassed about saying it because I don't, you know, what would you call Tiffany Stevenson fans? Like, yeah. You would call them the, the, the Tiff bastards or whatever. <laughs> I don't know what you'd call. Yeah, um, the Tiff bitches. The Tiff, tiff bitches. bitches. Oh, I quite like the ring of that. Tiff bitches. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, if you're owning the word bitch, I suppose it's fine. It's just I wouldn't be calling anyone else it. No, you know. no. If I want to call myself a bitch, that's okay. <laughs> and this year, what have you got planned this year? You're probably going on tour again. Yes, I'm on tour. I've got a bunch of dates coming up on my website. I've got about another... My tour was sort of split over the end of last year and the beginning of this year. Great. So I've got like about another 10 tour dates or 15 tour dates left at the beginning of this year. I'm also working on a project in the States with Warner Brothers, which I can't say much more about at the moment, Uh, but I've just come back from from New York. So I'm developing a thing with them and uh, we're going to be shooting a teaser uh, in the next couple of months and then we'll see if we get a pilot if Fingers we get crossed. yeah so yeah. I'm hoping yeah and it will be you know I can say that it will be comedic and it will be very female heavy so so that's exciting so, so working on that if we want to follow your news and your tour dates and things where yeah. can we find you Instagram Twitter or official website go for it uh, so yourself so at Tiff Stevenson on Twitter 
also I've just started a new account which is that sort of snowballing that's kind of taken up a bit of time at, at the moment uh, <laughs> which is called Bridget Trump's Diary um, and it was basically because I looked at Donald Trump's tweets and was like he tweets like a 32 year old singleton <laughs> so I'm going to be doing there's more plans afoot with that which again I can't talk about yet okay. until it's all confirmed check out Bridget Trump's D1 Diary 1 on Twitter or you can find it on my Twitter at Tiff Stevenson my website tiffstevenson.co.uk which has tour dates and some clips and stuff on it i'm on instagram but i'm rubbish on it it's not really my medium and i have buggle followers on it because i don't really <laughs> i don't really pimp it out it's me, i'm the words person so twitter's really more my forum people just do nothing we're shooting series series four series four so that's happening in the next that's happening soon cool yeah so that's exciting looking forward to that nice you've got a busy year ahead then yeah i don't yeah. have any time to watch like stranger things too or... i do i find time i'm obsessive we'll go through uh, what did we watch recently that was really great oh the exorcist Oh yeah, yeah. I've seen a few. Uh, that's the series, the TV series with yeah, Gina Davis. Few, I'm really, I'm kind of getting into um, Orphan Black at the moment. Right. So right. I'm watching it in the gym because that's right. the only way I can deal with the gym is by yes. watching something. Yes. St- I started watching the first series of that and I really liked it. And then I couldn't get Paul into it, as sometimes happens. Mm-hmm. If one of us is not that bothered about watching a series, it means the other one. Then. You know, sometimes we don't. So I have to. That's a thing that I probably need to go back and watch. Yes. Myself that's on Paul. my own. By the way, that's Tiffany's boyfriend is also called Paul because I mentioned my yeah, husband. Paul. We don't share a Paul. We don't share a Paul, no, yeah. There's enough Paul. Pauls to go <laughs> around, guys. <laughs> they are both bearded and Scottish, but no, they're not the, they're not the same person. <laughs> it is different. If you want to follow Tiff, please follow Tiff Stevenson on Twitter and you can get all our other websites from our Twitter um, and tweet her lovely things. Please leave us a comment and tell us how we can improve. If you want to hear Tiff again, um, tell us your comments. Um, but thank you very much, Tiffany, uh, for speaking to me and we'll chat to you again soon. Thanks. That's it for another podcast, guys. It's been an absolute pleasure. But before I sign out, I would like to say thanks to Lucy James from GameSpot. Great chatting all things games with her. And comedian Tiff Stevenson. Thank you so much for taking the time out, Tiff, to chat all things geek with me. Now remember to grab your copy of Geeky Monkey Magazine, issue 17 is out now, and you can also find us on Facebook and Twitter. On Facebook it's Geeky Monkey Mag, and on Twitter it's The Geeky Monkey. So make sure you give us a like, give us a follow, and let us know what you're enjoying about Geeky Monkey Magazine and the podcast too. That's it for another month, but thank you so much for listening, it's been absolutely awesome, and we'll catch you again soon. Bye!